When it comes to monkeypox, the only thing you have to fear is fear itself. Hello everyone, Dr. Chris Martinson here with your monkeypox episode. Of course, a lot of people have been asking for it and we're going to talk about it. Hey, here's the punchline. There's not that much to worry about, but we do have to worry about the official reactions to it. It's been way overplayed and I really want to dive into that. In fact, hey, we get to learn something about uh, everything we look into. So we're going to be learning about monkeypox, pox viruses a little bit and actually the official reactions to all this. So let's go take a look jump right in here. Uh, Episode 62, should you be worried? Short answer is no. And look, we're seeing charts like this. By the way, that's it. R slash monkeypox over on Reddit. (laughs) The first three days of that uh, subreddit, that was actually a pretty cool place to go. But then it got taken over by a mod from R coronavirus. And so it's now just an echo chamber of centrist positions. And they love, what does the centrist love right now? They love charts like this. That chart looks exponential. Case, case, cluster, cluster, boom. Oh my gosh. Look at the total number of confirmed monkey pox cases since the first case. That's 162 worldwide out of nearly, you know, eight plus billion people. So what do we know about monkey pox? Hey, it's really typically not deadly depending on the clade we're talking about. The clade is the family, the family that we have going on around the world right now. It's not really a deadly uh, clade or family version of that. I'll show you more on that in just a second. It's really only transmitted by close contact, in fact, sexual contact, hey, with symptomatic people. So it's kind of easily avoided. It has an R naught of less than one, meaning one person transmits it on average to less than one other person, which means this is a virus that goes out of business all on its own. And by the way, if you do have high risk groups, they are easily and thoroughly protected with vaccination. So we're going to talk about that vaccine real quick because that's been back in the news again. So let's go there. All right. Um, First, good news. There are no genetic surprises in this particular virus right now. So that's a, a good sign for me because of course, you know, SARS-CoV-2 came out of a laboratory, 99.95% sure on that, on my very, very small chance that it's not the case. So it hasn't been monkeyed around within a laboratory. That's good news. So here's the actual family tree of all the variants that from the first detected version back in the 1970s, I think, early 1970, they've all been sequenced of the ones that have been sequenced. Those two in yellow right there show the current family structure of the of the variants that we're seeing out in public right now. So no big deal. I can track the lineage. There's nothing surprising so far in any of the genetic analyses that I've seen. So that's really good news. Um, and what do we know about the pox and the pox family? This includes, here's the whole pox family. You got monkey pox in there and it's related to cow pox and vaccinia virus. That includes Um, The vaccinia gives us to smallpox and things like that. So that's the family. It's an orthopox. Good news for people who have been exposed to orthopox uh, vaccines in the past. You are probably protected from this monkeypox as well. So let's go down that. Uh, Here are the human poxes. So first we got the uh, variola major and variola minor. That's smallpox. Smallpox been in the news a lot lately. People have been hearing about it. Of course, we're very scared of smallpox. Smallpox is very deadly. 30% fatality. Last naturally occurring case diagnosed in October 1977. 
according to WHO. So it's been out of business. They stopped giving smallpox vaccines in 1980, I believe. So I actually have a small circular scar on my arm from where I received the smallpox vaccine as a child. That was a thing when I was growing up. Now, carrying on, uh, this is the vaccinia virus. And that um, this is a really interesting, large, complex, it's an envelope virus. Um, it is like monkeypox, a double-stranded DNA genome. Here's the cool thing about having these double-stranded DNA viruses. They tend not to mutate very rapidly at all. Reason is that they have two strands of DNA and they've incorporated proteins that read those for copy errors. So they're actually proofreading themselves while they're manufacturing themselves in your cells. So uh, that means that they're not going to have that much genetic variation over time. It's going to be very slow, not like the single-stranded RNA of SARS-CoV-2, the COVID virus, because that thing, single-stranded RNA, highly, highly subject to mutations. It's highly variable. You get a lot of mutations. You get these very complicated family trees, and you see very aggressive mutations. Not the case. So if we did see suddenly, surprise, uh, a monkeypox come out with a lot of genetic variation in it, that would be, for me, immediate evidence that some humans had been actually tinkering with the genetic code. So why am I bringing up the vaccinia virus? Because that, really cool. When smallpox was coming around, Edward Jenner back in 1798 figured out that you could actually use cowpox to vaccinate people in a way that would cause them not to get smallpox. Then they settled on using this stuff. The vaccinia virus also immunizes people against smallpox. Look at the name, vaccinia virus. That is actually, this is the virus responsible for the term vaccine, vaccination. It comes from the vaccinia virus name itself. So that's where vaccination began with this particular virus right here in this family structure. When you give the vaccinia virus to people, they still have a reaction to it. Here's a site of an injection of vaccinia virus, and you see it causes that that very typical swelling that we have going on right there. And that blistery center, that then forms the scar that, like I have in my arm, it looks like a little depression in the skin um, because of the vaccinia virus. That's a live virus. Your body reacts to it, reacts to it, creates that little red pustule thing right there that becomes a scar over time. And because of that reaction to that, you have lifelong protection against smallpox as a disease. So that's how vaccination all got started. And then, of course, we come into monkeypox itself. And again, double-stranded DNA, a zoonotic virus, meaning it mostly has an animal reservoir, kicks around in animals, sometimes jumps over into humans. It doesn't really hang out in humans a lot. Um, with an R0 below one, tends to go away. All right, so that's the pox families right there. These are the three that infect humans. There are a lot of other pox viruses out there, but these are the three that actually can infect humans. Vaccinia virus, really not that big a deal. Doesn't tend to cause all that much uh, in humans. Causes a local site reaction like that when you inject it. But otherwise, it's a very mild form of an illness for humans. Monkeypox, a little bit less mild. Um, you'll get flu-like symptoms if you get it. Eventually, you'll end up with a rash. If it goes even further, you might get a rash with little pustules on it. But really not, not that hard of a case compared to smallpox, which is really bad. However, what is bad about monkeypox? The fear porn that's been coming out. It's a huge concern. Look at this. This just came out, I think, yesterday. 
uh, in the UK. Monkeypox, the National Health Service, NHS issues warning to anyone who eats meat. As UK cases rise, really a warning to anyone who eats meat. Here we are with that Davos, uh, you know, you, nobody should be eating meat sort of a thing. Somehow that got linked to monkeypox. How did they do that? How did they manage to just tie that right back around? Maybe next climate change. You never know what they're going to tie monkeypox to. But look at this. The NHS here issued a warning to meat eaters amid a significant and concerning outbreak of monkeypox in the UK. Significant. And concerning. Is it significant? With 162 cases worldwide, it's not yet significant at all. Why it's concerning, not clear about this, particularly when I'll show you the evidence later about how this has actually been spread so far. It's neither significant nor concerning, but the NHS in the UK would like you to think it is. And plus, look at this. According to the NHS website, monkeypox can be spread by touching clothing bedding or towels used by an infected person, touching monkeypox blisters or scabs, ill-advised, or the coughs or sneezes of a person infected by the disease. However, the infection can also be spread by animals and eating meat. Well, maybe bush meat. I mean, if you're eating monkey meat out in, in the jungle, probably a bad idea for a lot of reasons. This would be one of them. But at any rate, that's fear porn right there. It has nothing to do with nothing. Check this out. Next, um, World Health Organization confirms 92 cases of monkeypox with outbreaks in 12 countries. So the human-to-human -human transmission is a little bit concerning because normally that is not part of the monkeypox scenario, but this time it is, and I think I'll, we know why now. But look what they say here, fourth bullet point down, it can result in death in 1 in 10 people. According to the CDC, a 10% fatality rate. Oh my God. Problem is, that's complete BS and easily, easily proven BS. So to go there, the WHO on their own website tracking all the cases of, of monkeypox, this is this is there aren't that many cases to deal with out there worldwide. Within the Democratic Republic of the Congo, they had 1238 cumulative cases. Those are detected cases though. Right. So we know that there are a lot more infections out there that were subclinical, that weren't detected, that didn't end up in the system. But out of 1,238 cases in Democratic Republic of Congo, 57 cumulative deaths over that time, which is about a 4% rate of death. Nothing to sneeze at, but this is in the Congo because the Congo has a very different clade or family of the monkeypox than we would see in West Africa or in Nigeria. Look at the Nigeria. They had 46 cases with zero cumulative deaths. That's not a 10% death rate exactly, is it? So noting here, they say uh, down here below, a couple of things. Monkeypox usually self-limiting. Hey, except in some individuals, potentially children, pregnant women, or persons with immune suppression due to other health conditions. And of course, as we now know, there are certain medical treatments that can cause immune suppression as well. Those will have to go unnamed at this point in time. So we have to question at this point, if monkeypox is actually spreading within humans, is there something within those humans that's caused their immune system to be suppressed? That would be an open question that we might want to investigate. By the way, look though, the Congo... Uh, they said a case fatality rate of 3.6% compared to 106 in the Congo Basin clade. But that's not even the case here. We're seeing 1,238 
Congo Basin clade cases and only 57 deaths. Again, that's around 4%, but zero, you know, otherwise. So it's not anywhere close to a 10% fatality rate. And that's a case fatality rate of people who show up in the hospital. So, so again, that's a very different infection fatality rate versus a case fatality rate. This all got blurred badly during COVID, but it should be that a case is a case is a case. A case is somebody requiring medical or seeking medical attention for the symptoms they're experiencing. Infections is just everybody who got it. So flu might come across a population. Most people who get the infection never show up for medical treatment. So the infection fatality rate of flu is this little tiny number, but the case fatality rate is a larger number because those are the people who are severe enough to seek medical attention. This is really not that hard, but it, it has to be explained again because it all got really heavily corrupted and, and blurred and intentionally made obtuse by the media, who was busy working on confusing us all and creating more fear why we ever got on in the position where we couldn't identify and distinguish any longer between an infection and a case is really, I think, more or less of a medical mystery than it really ought to be a civil or a court case or maybe even a criminal court case. It's really, it's, it's criminal that it happened. All right. No, the infection fatality rate of monkeypox, particularly of the clade that is circulating, the family structure that's circulating right now, is nowhere close to 10%. Unlike, um, well, this is, this uh, Spencer Kimball, come on, this is really easily researched. And I know you have quick deadlines and all that. But as of May 21st, this was not a responsible thing to say. That's an irresponsible statement. And uh, I think the CDC even would agree with that. So, but here, uh, this is a WHO official um, saying, uh, we need to be on the lookout for this in countries that typically don't typically experience smallpox. So we've been working with countries to expand surveillance to look for people who've had a rash. A rash? That's it? We're going we're gonna to whoop up some panic around a rash? What the? A lot of things can cause a rash. Poison ivy changing your soap, uh, having, who knows? There's a, lots of things that can cause a rash. So now they're working with surveillance is key. Oi, I don't agree with that, uh, that, that we really have to get all that excited about it. And, and look at this. Uh, one case of monkeypox found in Massachusetts this week, and in less than 48 hours, the United States government had purchased 13 million monkeypox vaccines for $119 million. What a waste of money there. A day later, Pfizer received FDA approval for a new monkeypox vaccine. Think of the odds. That's amazing. Just a day later? That's astonishing how fast that happened. Belgium now requiring mandatory 21-day quarantine for monkeypox patients. And Britain advising high-risk close contacts of monkeypox victims or whatever we call them, uh, to isolate for 21 days. Swedish health ministry looking at possible restrictions because of the outbreak. Look at all of these immediate reactions. You'd think that monkeypox was this big, amazing, what a, what a huge public health emergency this is. We're going to have to get right on this. We're going to have to get right on this right away. In fact, they did. So Listen, is this just because, you know, post-COVID, everybody's spooled up and they know how to turn that virus crank and 
so they get really excited, or is it something else? I think it's something else, and I'm going to show you why here real quick. So first up, it's kind of nasty looking, right? Look at that rare monkeypox cases reported from U.S. First time in nearly 20 years. Here's all you need to know, but but look at that. Under that awful picture on that hand, it says rare monkeypox cases. Hmm. So the the kind of indicating that's a picture of monkeypox. Doesn't really look like monkeypox. What does it look like? Oh, that's right. It kind of looks like shingles. Um, so Queensland Health in Australia a while back uh, used the same picture to talk about what it looks like when you have shingles. In fact, that's what shingles blisters do look like. So again, is this just, it's amazing how much sloppy journalism you can get when suddenly it gets into this mysterious world of viruses, because then all of a sudden they lose their ability to distinguish between cases and infections using the right images. It's just astonishing all the things that suddenly become very difficult to do that used to be part of what we would call journalism, which is checking your facts, making a follow-up call to see if 10% case fatality rate is actually a true thing that we should be talking about, using the right pictures. These are all things that somehow go right out the window when there's a brand new thing to be worried about. So how does monkeypox spread? Well, I'll get my drawing tool out so we can share the same insights here at the same time. Hmm, it looks like monkeypox was likely spread by sex at two raves in Europe. Hmm, Uh, monkeypox outbreak was linked to a gay sauna and a festival. Um, Looks like we're pretty clear now that mostly it was... uh, Monkeypox to spread a couple of raves. Okay, so there were two parties. Things got a little out of hand. There might have been some Molly floating around and, and some other uh, party drugs. And that's how it spreads so far. Does Is this something that looks like we need to emergency purchase $119 million and that we should do some fast-track authorization, some new vaccines, and that we need to start considering lockdowns again or we're going to have to do restrictions and things like that? Mm, nah, Seems like there's an easier solution. Probably involves not having unprotected sex at raves. Maybe. I don't know. We could just go there. Now, here's something that is of concern, though, and a lot of you sent this to me, and it it's about this really awkward thing, which is, remember Event 201, which was a simulated coronavirus outbreak when there had never been a coronavirus outbreak like this in world history, that happened in December of 2019, and there were all these players there that included, ex, you know, mostly a lot of very high-level U.S. government and also corporate interests there. You had all the pharma companies, you had media there, you had, you know, CIA, ex-NSA sort of folks there, plus the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and, and the Davos crowd, right? So that was Event 201. That happened magically in, I think, October or November of 2019, and then, whoops, this big coronavirus outbreak happened. So now we have this thing, which again was is another simulated in, ex, thought exercise, which is talking about another outbreak. So this is the thing. It happened in November of 2021, strengthening global systems to prevent and respond to high-consequence biological threats. It was a war game simulation, and here's how it went. Um This was conducted by the Nuclear Threat Initiative. So why NTI is doing this particular exercise is an interesting question. And really interestingly as well, that one of the three principal people here signing their names is Kevin 
P. Oprey, a managing partner of the Palisades Group, which kind of oddly is an alternative asset manager in the global residential credit markets down here, um, managing in excess of $17.4 billion of loans and real estate since 2012. Uh, it currently has a notional balance sheet of $5.1 billion in portfolio of residential loans and real estate. Huh. Why you would have uh, a residential loan and real estate company as one of the principals in here, I think it's because Kevin was uh, the facilitator for this. Maybe he's a very, very good facilitator, I guess, but just kind of odd um, looking at that. I also like to know who's involved in these things. So let's look at the exercise really quickly. What was it? So in March, they conducted a tabletop exercise on reducing high-consequence biological threats. This is a third in a series of collaborations between NTI and the Munich Security Conference. The exercise included 19 senior leaders and experts. We'll take a look at those in a second. What was the exercise scenario? Well, this was an exercise scenario portrayed a deadly global pandemic involving an unusual strain of monkeypox virus that first emerges in the fictional country of Brynia and eventually spreads globally. So, wow, what a coincidence. Um, now, difference being that this has an unusual strain because it turns out that this was manufactured in a lab. It had been tinkered by people and then released. And so they ran through the whole exercise. And of course, the exercise is to find out where are our weaknesses and strengths? What could we bolster? What can we learn from running a war game? You know, how could we have done better? Where, you know, how could we have controlled the flow of information? Was there any new resources that ought to have been on hand? Like, you know, the United States was caught despite spending billions on pandemic preparedness without even gloves and masks for healthcare workers uh, at the start of the pandemic. So huge fail. So maybe they're just trying to find out where are the weaknesses. All right. But what a coincidence, right? That we're, you know, they run an exercise. It happens to be on monkeypox. Next thing you know, we're all whooped up about monkeypox. It's not a coincidence. The, the coincidence here is only that this relatively benign, easily managed outbreak of monkeypox is being whooped up into a national hysteria or even a global hysteria. But who were these expert contributors? I always like to know who's involved. Check this out. Appendix A, we look here. So in the pinkish colors, look at that. Department of Homeland Security is here. Department of Health and Human Services is represented. Um, we have the U.S. Department of State represented a couple of times. We've got this company called Ginkgo Bioworks in here a couple of times. Obviously, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of uh, technology people in here, Twist Biosciences, but we've got all our universities, Johns Hopkins, we got Stanford, all of that. So these are the experts who are the contributors to this thing. And by the way, Ginkgo Bioscience, Bioworks there is an interesting company. They program cells. So this is a company that's actually involved in taking life forms, organisms, and changing their genetics. So using CRISPR technology or some other technologies like that, the biology by design. So I guess you'd want a company that's busy uh, monkeying around with, with life to figure out and tell you what would happen if people monkeyed around with life, I guess. Now, this is what's interesting to me, though. Who were the scenario players? These are the people in the room actually running the scenario in green, we can see we've got Merck and Johnson & Johnson and Twist Bioscience, a lot of corporate interests here. In the pinkish colors, again, U.S. National Security Council, 
We've got Jeremy Farrar of the Wellcome Trust. Jeremy Farrar, of course, one of the people who was very instrumental meeting with Fauci early on in February, January, February 2020, to hide or cover up the lab leak hypothesis, pushing very hard for the natural natural zoonosis origin of COVID, of course, that, that gentleman right there. Um, we've got a former commissioner of the U.S. FDA right there, U.S. Food and Drug Administration, and we've got a WHO representative. So that's all the pink. But look who jumps out at me in yellow, Dr. Chris Elias of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Dr. George Gao from the Chinese equivalent of the CDC. Now, those two names jump out at me, of course, because those are two names from Event 201, which these are these are the these are the people you call when you want to run a worldwide global pandemic simulation. And Event 201 didn't actually talk about, surprisingly or not, how to actually save lives. It talked about how important it was to control information and stop the spread of misinformation and that you couldn't have anything but the official sources of information being trusted because that would lead to all sorts of bad outcomes. And of course, he wanted to talk about how you're going to get to rapid vaccine adoption by a potentially skeptical public. So those are the players in Event 201. And of course, they're the same people you're going to call over for your monkeypox simulation. So that's just a lot of coincidences right there. I'm really, I just wish these people would stop messing around with vaccines and viruses and all of that and trying to create vaccines to viruses that haven't actually even hit yet. It just, it just doesn't smell right. I just really wish they'd stop. I wish that we as humans would go, look, the whole prospect of viruses and how they actually operate is a combinatorial, mathematical, biological, complex problem that is so beyond our ability to control that maybe we ought to stop messing around with these things and attempting to create new vaccine viruses so that we can learn from them. Because what we've learned is they tend to get away from us and they tend to escape and then they're going to do what they do once they get out. So we really ought not to be, full stop, we should not be messing around with viruses to try and create more deadly versions of them so that we can learn. Yeah, you know what we learn? Humans are humans. No matter how infallible you think your system is, it's fallible. These viruses are going to virus. They're going to escape. That's what happens. Or they're going to be let go by somebody at some point for some other reason. So maybe we shouldn't have them in the first place to either escape or be released. Just an idea. All right. So, um, but I want to contrast all of that hoopla that's happening around monkeypox and oh my gosh and it's a health emergency and you might get it if you eat meat and it's all this all this crazy fear porn around it and meanwhile this went right down the memory hole remember this so this is actually a real thing that's really very concerning imagine if monkeypox virus had caused six children to die so far or had caused toddlers to have to undergo these liver transplants or that it was actually still spreading and moving all over the place. So what is going on with this? This is the this is there's a form of hepatitis in children that's been linked to adenoviruses and we really need to know what's going on with that. And somehow that's gone right down the memory hole. And I'm over here thinking I need to see the sequence data from that virus right away. Now, when Omicron came out within 24 hours, I had sequence data on it and I could look at it and say, "Oh, this thing did not evolve from the earlier variants, this thing came from somewhere else. That was very easy to determine. And we had that data in astonishingly fast time. We already have 20 separate fully sequenced monkeypox viruses. And so I'm able to look at that and go, oh, 
did not come from a lab. Now, I want to know what's going on with this. Where, where is the sequence data? So I, I'm tracking always the sins of omission and commission. A sin of commission is easy. That's a lie. It's a lie that you've been told by the press or an official source. A sin of omission is when suddenly there's a vacuum, uh, an absence of story there. There's, there's, you know there should be some information there and you can't find it. It's just missing. So a sin of omission are things you don't talk about that you really should. So CBS Mornings has this uh, boring dystopia feel good, their feel good story. The Schwab family was facing life or death when their two-year-old Balin was suffering from severe hepatitis after an eight-hour surgery and a new liver, she gets another chance at life. Maybe she shouldn't have got the hepatitis in the first place, and we should know, like, why did this happen? So check this out. This is interesting to me. The most recent technical briefing I have from the UK security agency, health security agency, they say here, while preliminary typing of the adenovirus associated with this hepatitis has been consistent with type 41F, where data is available, they would recommend that whole genome sequencing from multiple cases is essential before characterization of the virus can be confirmed. This is in process, although the low level of adenovirus present in blood means the data quality has been challenging. So they're trying, there's like they don't have enough of the adenovirus to really work with this, what they're saying. But I would agree with them, whole genome sequencing from multiple cases, like we have those 20 pox viruses fully sequenced now. We need whole genome sequencing for multiple cases, then we can tell you something. Because we really need to know, has something happened to this type 41F adenovirus? Has it picked up some new genetic sequence from somewhere that would now be causing it to be more deadly? This would be critical information to know. So where's the sequence, right? And continuing, look, the WHO even says they recommend further virus characterization, including sequencing for this hepatitis adenovirus. Absolutely. So where is it? Where is that data? Well, we don't have it. And that's a sin of omission. We need to have that data. All right. Conclusions for episode 62 here on monkeypox. First, don't worry about it. Monkey, Don't worry about the monkeypox. Worry about the fear porn and the official reactions. But monkeypox itself, as it stands right now, it's not a significant public health concern because at this time the r naught is below one. So it's going to die out all on its own. It does not transmit easily between people. The vaccines that we do have work pretty well against it. And so high-risk people can be protected if necessary. That could be healthcare workers or other people who may be in a frontline position where they have to be protected because they really don't want to get the monkeypox. And by the way, there are no signs at this time that this has been manipulated in a laboratory. So that's a good sign because when we manipulate these things in the laboratory, who knows what the downstream effects are going to be. But this is a wild-type virus we have 30, 40 years of experience with it. We know what to do to avoid it, mainly. Just don't have sex with people with rashes and skin lesions. Come on. That seems like no-brainer. That shouldn't be that hard. To the fear porn, however, by the press, it tells me yet again that they do not deserve to be in business or in my living room or in your living room. None whatsoever. To say even for a minute that this monkeypox has a case fatality rate of 10% is incredibly irresponsible. If I ever did anything like that, I'd be called to the carpet. I'd probably be deplatformed right away, rightly so. However, when it's the larger media that does that, they get to do it over and over and over again. And guess what happens? Nothing. They just do it over and over again. It's time for us to recognize that that fear, when I opened this whole thing, I said, we do not have 
We don't have to fear monkeypox. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself, right? So that's the old Roosevelt uh, saying. So that fear itself, though, is a mind killer, and it's a body killer. People who are living under constant fear have reduced immune systems. So maybe the fear about monkeypox is actually creating the conditions where monkeypox can spread because we have immune-compromised people, or there's some other immune compromisation going on across our population that's allowing it a more easy foothold in the human population at this point in time. All right. So uh, remember, the sin of omission is about as telling as the sin of commission and always is. What's not discussed is always as important as the lies themselves. You need to track both those things. That's what I do as an information scout for the world is I'm always tracking What's out there being talked about and is that appropriate, but what's not being talked about? Now, in part two of this report, I, there's some really, one of the biggest things I've ever seen that we're not talking about, a little bit, but it's not being talked about, is actually one of the biggest risks I know about out there to your health, your well-being, your economic future. It's huge, and I have to talk about it more because, well, nobody else is, or very few people are. So, really, really big. And finally, in conclusion here, I really wish they would stop running simulations and somehow turn into the next current thing. Just please, just just stop. I'm a, I, I'm a coincidence theorist. I hate coincidences. Remember, once is an accident, twice is a coincidence, but three times is enemy action. So the number of times that these simulations end up turning into real-world situations is astonishing to me. Keypox. So, the simulation for monkeypox, it showed a laboratory-manipulated monkeypox. We don't have that. So that part of the simulation didn't come true. But I'll guarantee you that with all those players and, and the way they think and all those government and corporate and other interested players in that room, because of how they are, are built, that when monkeypox came out, there was a machine that was ready to amplify that and turn it into a, an area of concern for a lot of people, which means... They, they, in this story, are spreading the fear porn to you. And they get something out of that, which is, I don't know, future funding for future simulations, uh, more, more departmental money for whatever department they're running, uh, more investor interest in their corporate products and things like that. I understand the motivations in this game. Remember, if you show me the incentive, I will show you the outcome. The incentives are always for people in power to accumulate more power, and one of the ways they do that is by amplifying the message of fear. There is nothing, nothing in the monkeypox data, not in terms of raw numbers, not in terms of how it's spreading, not in terms of how fast it's spreading, not in terms of its actual lethality that deserves anything close to a fraction of the overall attention it's gotten so far. Where did that attention come from? Well, came from a system that just got a lot of power and a lot of money overdoing the same sort of uh, routine of fear injection around COVID itself. So, monkeypox, don't worry about it. But do note the, the level of, of attention and real estate it's, that they're attempting to occupy in your brain space around monkeypox. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. However, there is something else that is a big deal, and that is going to be this part right here. This is the most important warning sign I've ever seen. I've been spending ah, the past 12, 15 years, I forget how long it's been now, talking about 
energy and energy situations and what's going on in the world from an energy standpoint. If you're in Europe in particular, you're about to get absolutely crushed by what's coming. So we have to talk about this. I can't believe it's not being more widely talked about. So I'm gonna. That's what we're talking about over at part two. Come on by, check that out if you're interested. And if you like understanding and learning and having context so that you have access to information that will allow you to make new and better decisions that will hopefully add to your future prosperity and ability to thrive, not survive. Because I don't care about surviving. I want to thrive. So that's all I have for you today. Thanks very much for listening. And when it comes to monkeypox, just get it out of your brain. Don't let it occupy any more real estate or time. Be gone, monkeypox. See you next time. Bye. Bye.